1: Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Linney here. I have the honor of having Mr. Travis Watts here. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Austin. Appreciate it. So this is the first time we're meeting in person, guys. You know this happens on the podcast from time to time. Uh, He is Investor Relations at Ascroft Capital. They have a couple units. We're going to mainly talk about his educational stuff, how he's helping investors, passive investors, and then his own investing. Um, And uh, he just got back from a vacation, so he should be rested and ready to fire some some great knowledge right my man
2: (laughs) just to clarify we got back at almost midnight last night oh so he's uh, you know nine in the morning so it's all right it's all good
1: so he's hanging in there for us i appreciate it my man so why don't you tell us a little bit about your story you can start wherever you want man and we'll just kind of get rolling from there
2: Sure. Yeah. I'll just kind of recap my background quickly. I, you know, I jumped into real estate in 2009 in single family homes. Didn't know what I didn't know. Didn't have mentors, coaches, wasn't a big reader or podcast listener or anything at the time. Wish I had have been. And, uh, you know, from there, uh, did some house hacking, rented spare bedrooms, got into fix and flips, got into vacation rentals, did everything, myself, which was a problem. (laughs) Tried to self-manage everything, tried to scale it up. Uh, Meanwhile, by the way, worked in the oil field, 100-hour work weeks, uh, 14-hour days away from home, out of state, worked in Saudi Arabia. It was crazy. So, you can imagine I didn't have a lot of free time. And what free time I did have was pretty much solely spent on real estate and my tenants turning over properties, trying to find more to buy. And so, I burned myself out. Uh, I'll just fast forward to that stage in 2015. Does um, about five, six years into doing that model, and I thought, God, you know, I, I love real estate. I love the tax benefits. Uh, I love cash flow, but I cannot be hands-on like this. This takes way too much of my time. And I naively thought back in the day that I would get to fifty or hundred plus single-family homes, and I thought. It's just not going to be reasonable. If I'm going to be career focused first and do this secondarily, it's going to be way too hard. And so that's where I learned. That's where I doubled down on on reading and podcasts, mentors, coaches, programs. And that's where my whole mind exploded. And I found ways to be a passive investor in real estate. so to invest in syndications and private placements and some REITs and other asset classes, self storage and other funds and first lien notes, things like this, things that produced uh, cash flow uh, that that had tax advantages oftentimes but didn't require my direct uh, time you know commitment. So from 2015 through 2020 uh, uh, you know that was kind of my halfway point so now we're another five years forward. And I just, my passion is educating uh, folks that are on similar paths in any capacity and people, you know, doctors, dentists, lawyers, attorneys, athletes, people that don't want to give up their career. This is what they do. It's what they went to school for. It's what they're good at, but they do want a place to park uh, their capital, maybe not a hundred percent in the stock market. So uh, that's what I help do is, is educate in that space share my stories and lessons learned and, and things like that and and kind of preach the, the passive side of real estate, if you will. And it's funny that you say that because this is a perfect kind of thing I've been on the last month is
1: I don't think the passive side of investing is talked about enough, right? And I think that yeah. something that I have an issue with, because I have friends that have great jobs and they're like, no, I'm going to get all into the, and I'm like, dude, you're making $300,000 a year yeah. right now. Why do you want to lose this maybe you went to college for 9 years maybe you've been working for 20 years like i get it who doesn't want uh, to be an entrepreneur right yeah. but i think that i always use the analogy i don't go into discount tire and tell them how to put the tires on my car right <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you know uh, especially investors real estate investors think they know everything right like oh, i i can just get into anything and that's why some of them are losing their shirt in the stock market right and yeah. so I would imagine that this is why I love that you do that, that, that you find a lot of people, maybe they dived into a flip or maybe they dived into a couple rental properties, but they're a doctor, they're busy. And so yeah. I would imagine that you can show them a whole new world that they don't even know exists to, to make a return and, and to leave the headache at home, right?
2: I just didn't know it existed, to be honest with you. In 2009, if you had said a term like apartment investor you know, what does that look like? I would have said uh, a billionaire, uh, somebody with 30 years experience in real estate. (laughs) You know, I had no idea you could get in. A lot of uh, uh, investors that I work with, the first real estate deal they've ever done was a syndication. They never went the single family route. They went right into, I make good money. I need a place to put it. Oh, here's a spot and it's more, you know, perhaps more stable and predictable than, you know, the stock market, uh, for example. So, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: yeah, good point. And and
1: I think where I want to stick for a minute, because maybe not a lot of people know, and especially where we're headed, and I think multifamily asset is scalable, is that what are you looking for? Because there are a ton of syndicators out there. There are a ton of operators out there that I don't think are being truthful with the numbers. So what are you looking for as a doctor, as a lawyer, or somebody that has some money to park with that's been sitting on the sidelines? What are the factors that you're looking for when you're looking for a partnership like that?
2: Yeah, that's a great point because that is the trade-off. At the end of the day, what are you really investing in in these private placements? It's people. It's a team. You know, it's a track record. It's experience. It To put that simply, it's the ability for this group to execute the business plan that they're pitching to you. You know, how likely is that, that that they can actually do that? That's what you're really betting on. So kind of my my three points of hierarchy would be I bet the team and the sponsorship as number one of importance. And number two would be the market and submarket. And number three would actually be the deal itself. And when I got started in 2015, and, and this side of the, the coin, I had that flipped you know upside down, so I was looking all at these deals and trying to analyze these numbers myself and uh, it, analysis paralysis right <laughs> It's easy to get caught up, especially with like an engineer type of mind um, that that's pretty common so to your point, what do I look for well, at first i I had to get clear on my goals and kind of my mission and and what do I want to accomplish? What asset classes am I comfortable with? Well, I knew a lot about single family. But I, it, was, it was an easy leap going from the understanding of single family to multifamily. That's not a big leap. But to go from single family to mobile home parks, uh, self-storage, you know, office industrial, that, those are bigger leaps. And so for me, I wasn't as comfortable with that. So I kind of sought out to do this value add multifamily plays. And value add is just a theme in my life from childhood. Like value add to me is all about I'm buying something used or distressed. I'm going to fix it up. And then I'm going to sell it perhaps for more than what I bought it for and be able to utilize it in the meantime, you know, that could, you could apply that to a car. You could apply that to, you know, a piece of furniture or something. Uh, I just like that concept a lot more than I like, um, you know, buying a brand new car off the car lot, driving it, you know, across the street and it loses 20% of its value, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so, so first the sponsorship team aligning, you know, my philosophy with others, making sure they're, they're in the multifamily space doing the value add components personally, because it's my income. I like monthly distributions. I like monthly reporting for frequency so I can keep a pulse on these projects without kind of letting two, three, four months go by, especially right now in COVID. And uh, yeah, I mean, so, so really what, what that's all about, I know I'm saying a lot right there, but it's just aligning what what my mission and goals are, my criteria is to a group that's doing just that, you know, and that makes a really good partnership. And so I had the unique experience of going around before COVID to nationwide conferences, real estate meetup groups, meeting thousands and thousands of investors, a lot that were passive and being able to just network, you know, who who are you investing with and what has your experience been with that group, good or bad? And and I like to share transparently that way uh, as well. So that kind of led me to find the groups that made sense uh, for me. That was kind of the approach that I took anyway. And,
1: and it was, for me, it was interesting because I started in single family too and I've
2: been in yeah. the Airbnb space
1: for a while and now we're mm-hmm. looking to get into multifamily. I had an epiphany when I was hanging out with my mentor up in Tahoe and a couple other financial guys. Yeah. I no longer bet on the the, the deal and I, the deal's important, but yeah. I have so much going on with my coaching business and other things going on. I bet on uh, the jockey, not the yep. horse. And yep. so when I found people that I that specialized in something, why would I spend all my, I need to know enough to not get screwed over, but why would I spend all my time learning about it if they specialize in it? And mm-hmm. I think that's what y'all offer is a steady hand to not get emotional in the wave of investing. And I think that's what people are gravitating to, especially in this day and age.
2: Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do, but I remember my moment similar in the single family space where it was like, I just I was I was self-reflecting in the moment doing this fix and flip not even owning an electric drill And just having to contract everything out and like watching my margins just shrink around me and thinking I'm just not that good at this, you know, quite frankly, like this is not really my calling This is not my thing And I knew I got introduced to more flippers as I was trying to network and figure things out And I'm realizing they're doing this on a on a four or five x scale from what I was able to do. And I thought, you know, to your point, it's like, man, what if I just partnered with the people actually doing this right? The people that are like passionate and just burning desire and getting out there and making it happen. Why don't I just partner with them instead of trying to trying to beat them, which mm-hmm. I probably never would have, uh, you know, and I would have burned myself out that way too. So yeah, great point. And that's a lot to do with the syndication stuff. This is a business, you know, I mean, doing a value add plan, there's so many moving parts. And, um, you know, if that's not really your thing, your strong suit, then, you know, the, the limited partner side uh, might make sense. You know, yeah, and, and what happened is Evan Holliday a friend of mine in Nashville and he yeah. invited me out to a
1: Jake and Gino event and we, yep. we walked a unit with a guy who went from 500 units to buying 1,250 at a time and I looked around, I, I swear to God I remember like because all those guys are my friends, I looked around and I go, this is just a different environment, like and and moreover, yeah. the multifamily space seems to be such a family, right? And, and it's in that, that infectious scalable mentality is what I live by, which is growth at all times in every way. And, and we have a tendency, especially men, alpha men to say, no, 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 I can do this. And I think me and you, I, I I can feel your moment when you don't have a drill and you're I've been there. (laughs) I did it on a 1910 house in San Antonio and (laughs) we fired three contractors and I'm like, true story. We put, teared the house apart, rebuilt the front, got to the kitchen. And we were like, oh, we're just going to fix it. Well, we opened up one thing and the rotting boards, the, the bottom boards were rotted out. And I was like, and I literally told my ex-father-in-law and my ex-wife, I said, give me a Red Bull. Just leave. Go to Home Depot for like three <laughs> hours. And I just went in there and just demoed everything. I was so over it. Like, I think flipping a house to that scale is like the seven stages of grief, like, uh, you, you, you know, I didn't walk into it for a month, you know, and like, but then I meet guys and this is different from what y'all do, obviously, but then I meet guys cause I funded the deal who made 200 K wholesaling a, a multifamily. And then that's when the light bulb went off on the scale point of view. So kind of talk to that when you're looking at an asset, a lot of my guys that listen are younger investors that are trying to get into multifamily. When you're looking at an asset, let's stay in the 20 to 30 range unit wise, just to make it easy for them. What are you looking for that is going to do alarm bells for you that this could be a great play to wholesale or to buy for yourself?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a completely different space when we're talking 20 to 30 units. To your point, I took a leap from the single units to like 200 to 600 units where I'm partnering in these large Mm -hmm. deals. I totally skipped over... Uh, that section. Now, with that being said, the way I see it, because a lot of people in my network, a lot of people are in kind of that that mom and pop range, you know, the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, say 100, minus 100 units. Um, they're often, not always, but often are higher returns that are achievable because you don't have as much, this is my my personal opinion here, you don't have as much uh, institutional capital chasing those assets, right? You don't have these mega REITs and insurance companies and pension funds looking for maybe a 20 unit, you know, they're looking for a 500 unit, a thousand unit. So, a lot of people have kind of migrated up to that larger space, but pros and cons, it's gotten pretty crowded, you know? So, I've seen deals, Honestly, people that have done these 20, 30, 40 units where they're doubling money in like two years. You know, they're doing these opportunistic deals, these heavy value ads, and you know, they found it off market because there wasn't a lot of people chasing the asset class. Seems like a lot of people are are in, in like the the four unit or less, or all the way up to 200 and 600 unit, you know, and then of course everything beyond that. But there, yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity, I would say, in 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 that range of the smaller deals. Now you're talking more on, that's kind of an active question. You know, what are you looking for there? You're right.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I caught myself. Okay. I'll change. I'll change my question. Okay. There is a lot of opportunity from a young investor to Mm -hmm. find passive investors. So let's say you had two units, right? And you found a 20 unit that you know is a home run. Okay. You don't have the money, but there are guys that, have the money that would look to invest in a deal like that, that maybe not would invest in like a 200 unit. Right. So Mm -hmm. what type of investors from a passive from your point of view, would Mm -hmm. you look for? Because I tell guys all the time, I don't care how much money's in your bank account. Go Mm -hmm. if a deal's a deal. So what would, like if you're a young kid and you found a 24 unit, how do you go find the guy that has the money?
2: Yeah. So there's, there's two primary approaches. Well, I should say three primary approaches, right? There's the individual buyer. They just say, Hey, I found this. I have the money. Boom. It's mine. There's the JV partnership. So you could have, you know, maybe perhaps two, three, four people that go in together to collectively come up with that down payment and renovation budget. And that's not a syndication or a private placement. So that's a joint venture where everybody has an active role in the business basically, someone's going to do this, someone's going to do that. So you're you're divvying that up. You don't necessarily have passive investors. And then if you you jump up to the to the next level, uh, which is a syndication, now you've got a general partnership team, whether that be you yourself or maybe two people or or whatever it is, it could be unlimited. But and then you have passive investors like myself, folks that are just saying, hey, I like the way that that deal sounds. Here's fifty thousand dollars. And uh yeah, hope that goes well. Send me my checks when they're ready, you know? And so there, there's different approaches you could do to it. This is the thing I, I worry about right now in the space since twenty fifteen. It's gotten so heavy and so crowded with, with new syndication uh groups. Just <laughs> I don't know how to how to how to really say this. You you've gotta bring some kind of experience to the table. So if this is your very first deal and you've never done this before, that's fine. I've actually invested with a number of those groups for for various reasons, but they have always brought some kind of experience to the table, whether it was a co-GP and well, hey, I've never done the deal, but, but my partner here that's doing the deal with us, He's got twenty years experience, or it's a coach or a mentor, someone's going to look over their shoulder, underwrite the deal with them, kind of check off, you know, sign off per se. Um, there just needs to be a level of that because what I value most, like I said earlier, is what are the odds that this business plan is actually going to get executed? And I've seen it on both sides. I've seen very aggressive, as you pointed out earlier, uh, people that you know the numbers are they look good on paper but I can tell you up front, they're not going to happen. You know, if you've never done a a value add deal and here you're buying a 400 unit, complete renovation, that's going to be very, very difficult. I'm not saying you can't do it, but um, you know, you got to be realistic with that, how much of a value add. So at the end of the day, you know, you you, you got to have that network. You've got to have connections. It also depends too, if you're not to get too much in the weeds, but you're doing a 506B or a 506C, whether you can publicly advertise this deal to get other exposure that way, or whether you have to rely on friends, family, and pre-existing relationships and connections, which... Again, you need a, a big network for that. You know, you might need a, a few thousand people in your network to be able to, to come up with that money if they're doing 25K here and 25K there and, and stuff like that. So it's that whole realization that there's nothing wrong with passive. There's nothing wrong with active. It's aligning to your strengths. You know, if you're that that sales go-getter, connection builder, you know, a lot of people, you know, this is your skill set. This is your passion or whether you're you're more like me saying that's a ton of work and a lot of time and it's not necessarily what I want to be doing with my days or my weeks I'm not really passionate about the business side of real estate I just kind of want my money to grow and compound in a different way besides just the stock market so
1: for sure and I think that and I'll switch to kind of what you focus on separate from your from your day job I guess you would say as an investor but I think also And this is something that I harp on and kind of what the whole podcast is about is that I don't think people, they see a shiny object for investing and they want to go after it. They want the new thing. And that's why Airbnb is so hot or whatever you want to call it. And everybody got caught with their hand in the cookie jar during COVID. And I think some people are paying for it, but I don't think enough people sit down with their spouse or themselves and and say, what matches my lifestyle? Meaning yeah. what do I really want? I think that's the opportunity that you're giving to your investors and saying, you know, you can go make money or spend the week in France on a beach. Like we're going to go make sure that your capital is working for you. And I, I think that's kind of what you've unlocked with your life, which is what I think what everybody's searching for.
2: It is. And I just like the model so much more. So when I left, so my my FI number, my financial independence, whatever you want to call it, happened in 2015. That was when I was at the oil field job and I was burning out and blah, blah, blah. Well, I had done, a, for the first time, I had done like a true, honest, conservative net worth calculation. Said so if I sold all my single family homes, I paid all the taxes, I paid all the fees, what am I really left with? And if I took that amount and I conservatively put that into these deals, Knowing some will not perform and some will overperform, and let's let's just find a, a lower average there. Uh, what would that mean? Well, that amount of cash flow to me meant I could leave that oil field job to go pursue work that I actually wanted to do, and I took that. I mean, that to me that was my biggest motivator at the time, and it's something I talk a lot about on a personal side is time freedom. You know, this ca- passive income, truly passive income, not the kind that every other weekend you're having to go out and repair the houses and stuff but like truly passive income, uh, when that exceeds your lifestyle expenses, You just have more flexibility and freedom, whether you want to move from full-time work to part-time, whether you want to move, whether you want to travel more, whether you want to spend more time with friends and family. Everybody kind of has their why and what would you do if money weren't the factor, blah, 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 all those kinds of questions, right? But that's really what my pursuit has been about. So. I went and worked for a brokerage account, or I mean, not a brokerage, a brokerage firm right after uh, reaching that FI number because I thought, hey, if I could learn stocks, bonds and mutual funds and real estate, I mean, you know, how smart would I be, right? <laughs> but I fell out of love very quickly after, you know, getting licensed and all that good stuff because to your point earlier in our conversation, you pointed out something really critical and that's that it, it's like a family culture in, in multifamily real estate. Everybody kind of knows everybody. Everybody's helping everybody. And most importantly, when I'm investing in a deal, uh, say say you're the the GP putting on this deal, uh, you're going to have more often than not skin in the game. You're going to be putting your own money in that deal saying, hey, look, I I really believe in this myself and maybe even my friends, my spouse, my family. Like we're all... We're investing in this too, so if 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 I fail to do my job, I lose. In addition, and that's that's something that wasn't there on the Wall Street model, right? It's pushing this stuff that I myself wasn't invested in, and telling other people that's what they should do. And I just couldn't, I couldn't stomach it. You know, I had to quit. So that's an
1: yeah, that was that's a really good point. And I didn't think about that till you made that point. Is that? you know, when you're starting out, right, especially in my early 20s, I'm like, I I, I have the idea. It, it makes sense, right? But nobody would take the chance because I realized that I needed to go out and take my licks myself. And then once they saw me get beat up, then they were like, okay, he's had some seasoning. Like, you know, we know. Because what I love about multifamily opposed to a, a flipper or like a wholesale deal is, yes, it's about the number. Obviously people want to get their money. But when you can signify as a group that you can close deals, that's when you can get a lot more deals. And that's what I love about multifamily is when you close a segment of deals, then they'll know you as the closers and they'll come to you. And I think that's what's so exciting because as a team, don't you feel like you can kind of build that momentum, which is not talked about enough in real estate is momentum, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's just, you know, not to go real deep on the Ashcroft capital side, but so many of the deals being presented to Ashcroft are being presented to them either exclusively or them and two other groups in a in a quote-unquote off-market situation. So, if you and I partner up and we want to go chase those same assets, we wouldn't even have a chance to see them, you know, mm-hmm. because They've got such the, the momentum, the track record, right? That they're, they're always bringing the money to the table. They're always closing. They're not retrading. They have a good reputation. Brokers know them. That's where the deals go. So it takes some time to establish that, yeah, mm-hmm. to your point. For okay. sure. And on the,
1: the personal life side, because I'm big in, uh, you don't know much about me, but I've lost a bunch of weight. I, I had an alcohol problem. I got sober and all that stuff you know, you're, you're very well put together. You're in shape. I can tell like, what is your daily like intake on the personal development side opposed from the investing, which for me is really what all me and my mentors talk about. I, I couldn't even tell you the last time we had a conversation about real estate, <laughs> you know, like we're talking about family, kids, life, what we want to do. Right. And I'm trying to create what you're talking about, which is passive. So I was just on the road for six months. I, I visited 16 States Worked for my laptop. And that was kind of like a test case scenario for me, like, can this happen, right?
2: Yeah. So yeah. now
1: we figured out some stuff. So I, I want to hear about your personal development space, kind of your lifestyle, more of that stuff.
2: Yeah, my wife and I, so we're both really big into self-education. She's more on like the diet and fitness side of things. I'm more like on the finance side of things. And so together, that makes a pretty good combo. <laughs> yeah. We're always experimenting with different diets from raw vegan stuff to celery juicing. And we do smoothies and wheatgrass stuff and all kinds of crazy, <laughs> crazy things. You know, we're always just experimenting with that. Uh, on the finance stuff, um, have you watched the documentary called uh, Playing With Fire that came out last year? about? No, the I haven't. So, That was a really eye-opening movement, and I didn't really realize this myself, but I was raised by two very frugal parents, you know, in childhood, and they taught me so well one side of the coin which is, you know, how to save and live below your means and use coupons and buy the off brand and don't buy things you don't need and don't keep up with the Joneses. And, you know, so that was great to get that like hardship course early in life, but I was taught zero about investing. And so I just kind of knew after reading a a few books, which was something my family wasn't big into is reading that that could be, that was my opportunity, right? It was to take that foundation and then leap over it, you know, into that stuff. So, Um, anyway, my point in mentioning that documentary, so fire for those listening that aren't familiar is, is financial independence, retire early. It's an acronym, uh, get some heat on the retire early end. You know, some people, you know, why would you want to do that? Whatever. But to our point with time freedom, right? It gives you flexibility and options and and things like that. So point is that what we've done is kind of a a four-step process. This is really like how I got there, uh, so to speak. Right. So I, earn as you know you you earn as much as you can using your highest and best use of your time for everybody that's going to be different for me that was an oil field job that was fixing and flipping houses launching small businesses on the side then you live on as little of that as possible for a period of time not your whole life just say 5 or 10 years whatever it may be in your circumstance and then you take that margin from what you earn and what you live on and you invest all of that, not save, but invest all of that, uh, in my case, into cash flowing assets, right? Which then I had more cash flow than than lifestyle expenses because I live pretty frugally and, and modestly. And then the last thing is just avoiding bad debt, credit card loans, student loans, you know, car loans, whatever you can avoid. If you have them, pay them off. If you don't have them, don't get them. And And that was really it. And this whole fire movement is around this like modern day era of like more millennial based, you know, mindset saying we don't really enjoy this corporate world stuff. It pays well, but can't really see myself here till I'm in my 60s or 70s. So what if I just gun it for like 10 years and stock it away? I can then have that that freedom to your point. I can go travel for six months. I can go live van life, RV life. I can go, you know, whatever you want to do. And so it's more of a a, I don't, really, I don't like the word like work-life balance, but it's more of that, right? It's more of the alignment of what you truly are passionate about and, and want to do. So um, I know I kind of got on a rabbit no, trail there. But guys, that's, that's guys, my... he,
1: just, he just gave you the blueprint. If you don't back that up and play that every morning when you wake up and it sounded really simple, but it was so important.
2: That was everything. It's it's simple on paper. It takes willpower, perseverance, discipline, you know. But you can do it. I mean, literally, no matter what age you are, give five to ten years of that kind of strategy, you'll be so far ahead just, no, just
1: that it, alone. And it's it's weird because now I live in. And now I'm not suggesting it for everybody. So let's let's just say I I preference that I live in 250 square feet, right? But we're just south of Austin. We live on five acres with uh, some other people in a tiny homes where Mm -hmm. the bills are low. I'm getting ready for whatever comes right from the backside of whatever's happened. And then there's opportunities to invest where my money can be spent in other places to get me ahead. And so many people look at our lives because I'll be 39 in December, right? And my 20s. We don't know what that was over there, but then the last couple of years, you know, really focusing on investing, getting the stuff into, you can really take, like you said, three to five to six years, and technically you could be retired, like in that amount of time, if you really get disciplined and focused and that you act like that's such a long time of your life, it's really, you know, a point of a point of a percent of your life. And I think people get mistaken that you have to slave away for 30 years to get to where you need to go. And that's not the case. You showed that.
2: It's, it's totally not. And if you look at the stats, this was another huge pivot, like epiphany for me, right. Is look at like, I love the average American stuff or the median this or that, you know, I love those types of stats. And when you look at what people in their sixties and seventies today in 2020 are retiring on in terms of income, and then you compare that to what you can do in real estate, to your point, right? 30, 40, 50, 60 years working, you know, in, in an industry to get to maybe 2000 per month in income through maybe Social Security and a, a half ass pension if it lasts or a 401k till you deplete it, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, guys, you can get there in a matter of, you know, five years, you know, sometimes less, you know, you can get to the same result. Dude, I was on a podcast the other day and this is what drives me crazy. I feel like a group of people, especially because I'm
1: around a lot of Airbnb operators that manage a ton of properties. I feel like you get in a group of uh, a room of 10 people and they have a lot of assets. I feel like it's an Airbnb support group because we're all like want to cry and it's a, it's a nightmare. And they're like scaling back or whatever. But what people don't understand, same thing with multifamily. You could own three Airbnbs and clean them yourself if they were highly profitable and retire. You could own my buddy Tyler Chester. You could own a 50 unit yourself, and it could be cash flowing enough for you to retire. That's where they get mistaken. They need a unit count or a number that matters, and it doesn't because all that matters is the number that you need to be comfortable. That's it, and it doesn't look like everybody else's.
2: We just uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the call my wife and I just got back from North Carolina and we were up in a beautiful neighborhood outside Asheville and Um, We stayed in an Airbnb. It was actually VRBO, but whatever. Short-term rental. So, I I researched this property as we were there. These folks in 2018 bought this property for $135,000. They put maybe 50 to 75K into it and renovations to update it. We paid $2,700 for seven days. (laughs) I mean, you just anyone that can just run some simple numbers there and you kind of do the math, Incredible mm-hmm. to your point. Incredible. I mean, we yeah, were thinking yeah. about the, the same thing. I thought, man, if you had like just three of these, you know? And well, I mean, you look at it and I'll just give you a case study.
1: Are you familiar with Austin at all? So, We've been have, there, but I'm- so, so, you have Round Rock above it, which is 25 okay. minutes north suburb, right? It's a suburb. Okay. That's all it is. I ran a property for one of my best friends. The, the note on the property was uh, 1100 bucks a month all in. And he was bringing in. Uh, we were bringing in uh, twenty nine hundred for him a month. And I'm like, you don't need more than three or four, and you're good. Like, and the house is paid off in five years. Like, you know. Yeah. And but 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 it's so sexy, right? To say, "Ooh, I've got a thousand units." Yeah, you also have a thousand headaches. And so, <laughs> right. this is. This right. is what i 'm trying to get across to people is make sure that your goals and your intentions are set for you and and by in the way to do this, and I would imagine you do with your wife, you sit down and have intentional conversations with your partner about what you actually want it to look like instead of caring about what it looks like on paper right
2: yeah no totally totally and and yeah. and that's that's you do have to make time for that you know, we usually remove ourselves from the day to day, we're not in like our typical routine. So we'll go out to a park or on a walk or a bike or not really a bike ride. But you know, whatever, we'll remove ourselves. And we'll sit down with knowing what we're going to be talking about ahead of time, having prepped for that a little bit. And then yeah, just just a focused conversation doesn't have to last that long, but just take, you know, 15 to 30 minutes, and just talk through this stuff. One that we were doing the other day that came from that documentary, I pointed out playing with fire, was writing down, this, let me give you a quick backstory on this, this thing. So it's a couple out in San Diego that are more or less living the American lifestyle, keeping up with the Joneses, the BMW, the beach house, blah, 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 blah. Right. But, but yet broke. And so they they go and discover this whole fire movement, you know, networking with the people that are big advocates for it and learning from everybody. And so what they did before they left San Diego, not knowing they were going to leave is they sat down and said, what are the 10 most important things to us? you know, week to week, month to month, day to day, whatever, what's most important. And it's stuff like spending time with my baby, eating chocolate, having a nice bottle of wine on occasion. And it had nothing to do with San Diego, the beach, the BMW. And so it's like, wow, you know, you're putting all your money into things that aren't even bringing you happiness that you are saying aren't that important in life. And you could have those things that they listed anywhere in the US so they end up in like I don't know Bend Oregon or, or something yeah. but it's um yeah it, it's so, interesting to do those So episodes.
1: not I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with this but I would <laughs> love to hear your opinion. This is why I think that because of COVID and people working from home and not having to live in these expensive cities anymore mm. I think as an investor you need to be looking in second and tier markets. I think that you're going to see a movement right? Am I wrong or not?
2: No, hundred percent. It's, it's like been my focus for the last like two months is on YouTube, like listening to people's perspectives on why they're leaving California, why they're leaving New York city and, and understanding, like not just focusing into like a bias or something, but just anyone and everyone that's out there talking about their rationale and what they're seeing and, and why. And it's really interesting. And so, it makes a lot of sense.
1: So true story last three days. I've had seven investors reach out to me from California or New York. They're moving to Texas. They're changing it. But here's not the weird thing. I was in Dallas the last two days visiting investors. Nobody would know this outside. I shouldn't tell everybody, but I don't care. Dude, Oklahoma is blowing up. Like they can't even, you can't even buy property in like uh, South Oklahoma and stuff. And so don't be so focused on these major cities, guys. I know a friend who has 35 units in smaller cities in Michigan and he's killing it because rent is jumping 200% in the last two years. So make sure you're really digging, doing your homework, right? On these markets and understanding why, that's what I love, why people are moving there.
2: Oh yeah. That's one of my biggest things. And I talk about that too. We can take that from the LP perspective real quick. So what I do is it's the irony of being a passive investor full-time, but yet it's got some active components to it, right? It's not mm-hmm. just literally hands-off mailbox money. You have to do some research connections and betting deals and sponsors. But I go macro level with this stuff to your point. I look at where are people leaving, where are they moving to? What are the reasons behind it? What do those numbers look like? What are the forecasted growth and rent and all this? From a macro level. So I know, you know, Texas is 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 a great spot, you know, Florida, whatever, in general. Then I let the GPs and the sponsorship team fill me in on the very specifics on the submarket. You know, what about Irving, Texas? What about Lubbock, Texas? What about you know Jacksonville, Florida? You know, it's not Florida's not created equal, right? Miami real estate is not Jacksonville real estate. So you've got to understand at least from a macro level, what's going on. And then you can dig in deeper, be, uh, you know, fed that information elsewhere. And, it,
1: and it's funny because I have a couple friends and I ran Airbnbs in Lubbock, Texas, which as a Texan, there's never, no chance I would ever think that I would ever be in Lubbock, Texas. And it's a, it's a monster drive and, but yeah. it's the market's hot. And so, you know, don't, and this is what I tell people about Airbnb, don't let your ideals and your thoughts and your context cloud your judgment on why people are doing something because Mm -hmm. the numbers make sense. And you can't, just because you wouldn't live there, doesn't mean other people wouldn't live there. Maybe they're looking for something different. Right. And Mm -hmm. and this is about understanding movement and things are changing and they change very quickly. Right. And Idaho is becoming hot. Yeah. We, you know, we just spent a a week in Utah. I'm in love, like, you know, and so these are things that are going to be popping up. And more importantly, like my dream, if we can go off on a tangent, my dream is to like create a small town (laughs) because I worked in hospitality for 20 years and I know what it takes to build a community. And I think it's the coolest thing in the world. You get these small Texas towns that all of a sudden you look back and in four years, they've got this budding community. Right. And I think it's, there's so many factors at play that people don't focus on because you're just looking at deals instead of the, the movement of people.
2: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Go buy a ghost town and make it an Airbnb town. That'd be cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could just have some weird structure in the middle, but uh, <laughs> what I want to do is because I want to respect your time and wrap it up here. If you're a new investor, let's say you're in the single family space yep. and you're looking to make the transition. What are you telling them are the factors they should be focusing on like you did? Yeah.
2: It, so here's the deal. I've gone too extreme on too many occasions. Okay. So, Start with a little bit of self-education, get to the point where you're comfortable understanding like why real estate, for example, or why certain markets or why this just that's your that's your education piece, then self reflect, right? What am I good at? Do I want to be hands on? Do I want to be hands off? who do I know? What's my network? That kind of stuff. And then that's kind of where it divides up into the active and passive routes, right? And again, there's not one that's right and one that's wrong. It's pros and cons. There's a lot of money to be had in either case, uh, probably more on the active side, but then you're exchanging your time for it. So again, like for my wife and I, we're world travelers. We, We travel all the time, domestic and worldwide. And so for us, we cannot be pinned down to an area doing active work, you know, I mean, that would just take away our our life dreams, (laughs) you know, so that was a lot of self-reflection without knowing that we would have just got into everything, you know, and and not known what the outcome is. So get organized, get clear, goal set, self-reflect, write down your criteria, educate and real quick story on the education piece. I'm telling you in 2015, I went to extreme and I made a goal. I said, I'm reading 52 books this year. That's a book a week. And I'm doing it, and I did it, and it was not a good idea. I, I, I learned a ton, yes, but I only retained a fraction of it. And at the end of the year, I had taken virtually no action, very little. And all in all, I look back on that, and I think, that was kind of a waste of time to be honest with you, I'm not saying reading's a waste of time. I'm just saying I should have read like three or four books and really taken it home and taken notes and like, you know, done a self study and shared that with people and then gone out equally to take action in implementing some of that. So uh, finding that balance. That's my advice. Find that balance.
1: No, I love it. And that's an amazing experience because I was walking a flip in Arizona with my, with one of my mentors the other day. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't think you like this as much as you thought you did two years ago. And I'm like, I think you're right. <laughs> because, because, because I did the, and when I say I did the active, we had 27 Airbnbs in seven States and I was running the show And on my phone. I got 60 to 85 messages a day, a mm. day. Mm-hmm. and I looked at it and this is what I thought I wanted. And I was miserable And I go, no, 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 no. I'd much rather be the bank, a passive investor, because that allows me to do what I truly was put on this earth to do. And that's support people, lift people, educate, coach people, change their lives, right? But we too much get in a hole or get in a job and we go down this deep hole and we can't pull ourselves back out because it's too scary to jump out of the comfort zone, right? But you really have to look inside and go, I don't really want this. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and if there was ever a time to make a pivot and maybe sell some properties because the market is hot to sit back and really look at your goals, this is a perfect opportunity. I think this year has been that for everybody if you choose to look at it that way.
2: Yeah, Yep, exactly. And one more thing I want to add to that is that, you know, so you've got cash flow and passive income, and then you have equity upside. Now, I'm asked quite frequently, uh, that if I were to start over in 2009, would I have just started as a passive investor? My answer to that is no. And that's kind of interesting to think about because I'm so passionate about it today. But here's the facts. I didn't have a lot of money to work with in mm-hmm. 2009. Had I put 100% of that into a passive deal or REIT or whatever, I would have had, you know, whatever, 100 bucks a month passive income. That wouldn't have been life changing. It wouldn't have, you know, kept my attention. You know, I, I could have discredited it and said, oh, I'm just going to sell it and go buy Bitcoin and see how that happens. And then I could have taken a whole different path, you know. but um so, so the equity is important. It depends on how you earn your income. I think everyone needs to, you know, again, highest and best, you know, income, and then living frugally for a while, kind of investing that difference, right, to where now you you look back and say, wow, now, now I have, you know, three, four 5,000 a month passive income. Well, that kind of matters. You know, that's a, that's a bit of a life changer for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of at that transition point that, you know, I I took that path. You know, so something to think about.
1: I love it, man. So how and uh, you got your content on social media is great. So much education, so much valuable information. How do people find you? Um, how, what is the best way to get a hold of you if they want to?
2: Yeah, what I do is I give back my time. So for free, 15-minute phone calls, Q&As from podcasts, from blogs, anything I do. Uh, Anybody out there is welcome to set up that call with me. I don't upsell anybody on anything. But uh, how you find that is uh, ashcroftcapital.com forward slash connect with Travis. You can just, it's a Calendly link. You click it, find a time that works for you. Boom, we'll have a 15 minute call. I'll help in any way I can add value that way. In addition, if you want to learn more about private placements And how this stuff works in syndications, I have a guide. It's a downloadable 20-page guide. And you can get that at the same place. And so it goes over industry terminology, how to vet sponsors, questions to ask, deals, markets, all that good stuff. Uh, So find them both there. To your point with content, um, Instagram and Facebook are at Passive Investor Tips And then I'm on, you know, bigger pockets and LinkedIn and all that good stuff too. So however you want to reach out, please do. Happy to be a resource and help whoever I can.
1: Well, I really appreciate your time, my man. We got so much value from that. And uh, thanks so much for coming on, guys. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with your friends, guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.